Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for an opportunity to be in your house and worship you, to seek your face and to hear your voice. We look forward to experiencing you as you come and meet with us. We ask, Father, that our praise would be toward you, that we would hear from you, that we would be transformed by you. Thank you for being here this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18. We're going to be looking at the first nine verses. And just to catch you up a little bit with the story, you may remember that David killed the giant. And when he killed the giant, Saul was excited and Saul took David into his house. And David began to work his way up very quickly among the ranks. And of course, David has been anointed as the king to be. And God has removed his blessing from Saul. So Saul finds himself in a very unpredictable place. He's king, but kind of king in name only. I I understand this. Uh, When uh, a number of years ago, the Bartlett hockey team asked me to be coach. And I was all excited. And so I stood behind the bench. And I remember one time calling for them, time for a line change. So I'm yelling, change it up, change it up, change it up. And I turned to the guy sitting on the bench next to me. I said, they must not be able to hear me. He says, oh, we hear you, coach. (laughs) We just don't pay any attention. (laughs) And and at that point, I realized that I held the title. Uh, But but you have to earn the position, don't you? And, And Saul had held the title, had been anointed by God, but had walked away from God. And God had removed the blessing from Saul. And so Saul had the title, uh, but he's doing all he can to hang on to the position. And it's not going well. And so in chapter 18, uh, we begin... Oh, thank you, Kenny. Works better right side up. After David had finished talking with Saul... Jonathan came, or became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as, his, as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands. And David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, or but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing 
this God's most holy word. I'd encourage you this morning, uh, if you brought your one great hour sharing offering, to bring it up during this next song and share it with us. Thank you. You've just heard this week's focus scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. Thank you, Lord God, for that amazing grace. That grace that calls us here this morning. Thank you for the hope that you have secured for us. The assurance of life and life more abundant. We come this morning, Lord Jesus, seeking you. And we lift up those prayers that were offered this morning. Lord, our hearts are breaking for the families in Florida who today face great loss. And Lord, we know about loss here. And so we pray that your spirit would fall upon those families. We pray for the people of God in Florida that they would be reaching out in your name and sharing your love, surrounding those with your peace. Lord, we do pray for our country. Lord, we pray that your spirit would begin to touch lives um, in new ways, lives of leaders, lives of followers, uh, lives, Lord, that... uh, can make a difference. And Father, you've called us here this morning because you know that with you we can make a difference. So we pray that you'd transform us, that we would be world changers, that we would be neighbors, that we could that others could count on. Thank you, Father, for all the blessings you give us and for your word most of all. Lord, speak to us. I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by this amazing grace. And so, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory as we seek your face together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this morning uh, we talk about what it means to be jealous. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been jealous of someone else, according to uh, what we heard in the countdown timer. You probably have. Uh, I know that I have at times. This last week, I, I got my hair cut, and uh, when I was at the uh, the barber shop there, I know it's not what they call it. What do they call it? Hair salon. When I was at the hair salon, uh, I, I went up to the counter, and the lady uh, came up, and she didn't seem real pleased, and she uh, asked me my name, and I gave her my name, and she looked it up in the computer, and she saw that I'd been there before, and she turned to the lady who was cutting a person's hair right there, and she said, well, I suppose so-and-so is ahead of me too, and walked off. And the other person said, well, you could go get so-and-so, but she 
did not. She just kept walking. And clearly I heard she was not happy. Something wasn't going right in that hair salon, at least that day, at least for that lady. And her desire was to cut hair, and she wasn't going to be able to cut hair because it was somebody else's turn, I think. She wasn't happy. And her her response was, and -and so-and-so is ahead of me also. Obviously, this had happened earlier in the day or in the week or in the year. Who knows? Because what happens is when we start to get jealous, then things start to build up quickly, don't they? Obviously, she thought it was her turn. She had no control. There were rules. And those rules said that so-and-so had to be ahead of her. And she thought that wasn't fair. Why not her? She was available. She was ready. The other lady was in the back room. Didn't even know a customer had just walked in the door. It should have been her turn. I'm speaking for her. I I don't know if she went that far, but she clearly was not happy as she went to the back of the store and began to work on a chair. And not with... uh, Well, no, luckily there wasn't a person in it, I can tell you that. (laughs) She was uh, not gentle, shall we say, with the chair. Jealousy sneaks up on us, doesn't it? It creeps in. It's not fair. It's usually something that's out of our control. We can't control those things. We can't control those people. We can't control what's happening. And, And so we become jealous of those who are in control or those who can make a difference or those who are over us or have greater authority than us and, and, or, or who are looked upon uh, with, with uh, a uh, sense of honor. And, and why not us? Jealousy sneaks in. Now, I, I want to be very clear about something before we go on because we have a little extra time this morning. Um, jealousy isn't always bad. Jealousy isn't always bad. God said, what God say? I am a jealous God. What's he jealous for? He's jealous for our love. He's jealous for our relationship. He's jealous. He wants our relationship to be all that he can, it can be. And when we begin to walk away, he is jealous and he wants us to come back to him so that we can have that strong and powerful relationship. So jealousy in that sense has its place, but jealousy in the sense of why them and not me gets us in trouble very quickly. Saul runs into this problem. Uh, not only Saul runs into this problem, but uh, unfortunately, um, the church runs into this problem. Do you know that? People get jealous in church. Um, I, I always wonder during prayer time, when someone go, stands up, I, I always, i got to be honest with you, I, I hold my breath a little bit. When someone gets up who is healed of something, that someone else in the congregation has experienced and they haven't been healed. And I always wonder what's going to happen when they stand up. I just want to thank God that God came and healed me of this illness. And I wonder how the person sitting across the congregation, who I know is suffering with the same illness, how they feel. 
The Apostle Paul realized that even in the church at Corinth there was a problem. You are still worldly, he says, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not... Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? I love that. Aren't you acting like mere humans when you're jealous? Aren't we human? Aren't we supposed to act like humans? <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. That was a rhetorical question, but good answer. <laughs> yeah, we are to act like children of the living God. Not mere humans, not mere uh, physically human, but rather human beings impressed with the spirit of the loving, almighty God. Children of God, those who are called by God. That's what makes us different. We're not mere humans, we are children of the living God. How have you been acting? And when you act in this jealousy where, we, where you quarrel, where you think, why not me? You're no longer acting as a child of God. And I'm just going to blow it right open right here. We're going to put the bottom line right here so if you, if you zone out, you're good. All right? Here's the bottom line. If you are a child of God, then you have been adopted by God, chosen by God, loved by God. As a matter of fact, God sent His own Son to die for you so that you might experience the fullness of life. How much greater can you ever be? There's nothing greater you could attain than to be a child of God. That's like the top of the heap. So why would you be jealous of anybody else? You're a child of the Almighty God. What happens is we begin to look at other people. We begin to look at what they have. And we begin to think of ourselves not as children of God, but as human beings. And therefore we begin to measure ourselves against one another. Which gets us in trouble real quickly. You see, part of the problem in this Scripture is that Saul has run into a a place where God has removed his blessing from him. Saul had walked away from God. Saul had rejected God. And because of that, God says, if you're going to reject me, you go your own ways. Go for it. See how that works out for you. And it's not working out well for Saul. And because of that, he doesn't recognize that he could, if he walked back into God's presence, if he confessed his sin before God, if he opened himself before God, he would recognize that he is God's servant. And as a servant of God, you can't get any higher than that. But instead, he starts looking around and his heart becomes jealous. It starts early on, actually. It starts in the family, which isn't surprising, I suppose. You see, Jonathan and David had this thing. Uh, They became close friends. Jonathan is Saul's son. And so when when Saul takes David into his family, he takes him in like, like a son. And yet, he begins to watch. And Jonathan and Saul have this bond. I mean, Jonathan and David have this bond. It's an awesome bond. Did, did you catch that? David, uh, or Saul, uh, getting little, little, little. Slow down. Slow down. Jonathan and David had this special relationship. 
Now, some people say, well, ah, see, it's a homosexual relationship. It's not even close to a homosexual relationship. This relationship has nothing sexual in it whatsoever. Jonathan has declared his allegiance to David. He loves David as himself, by the way, which is what we are called to do, isn't it? What was it Jesus said? Uh, Luke chapter, what chapter is that that we study over and over again? Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> so, it's only a label. I'm just telling you. <laughs> you remember, let me, let me refresh your memory a little bit because this will help you some. You remember that, that guy comes to Jesus and says, uh, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? You remember this, don't you? And Jesus says, well, what do you read in the Scripture? And the guy says, well, um, the Scripture says that um, I'm to love God and love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, that's right. Do this and you'll have life. And the man wanting to justify himself asks this question. And who is my neighbor? You remember this story, right? I hope so, because we spent months on this story <laughs> and so we went through the whole story right so so jesus tells the story of the um good samaritan right and he comes along the guy that's beat up we don't have to go through the whole story but the samaritan comes along and helps the man takes him to the hospital or to the inn takes him to the inn bandages his wounds does everything gives money goes up beyond, above and beyond and beyond and beyond because he loved he was a neighbor to the one who was hurt jesus asks the the uh, the teacher of the law and who was neighbor to whom and the teacher of the law says, well, the one who had pity on him or mercy on him. He won't even say the Samaritan. He won't even say that word. But that's who was the neighbor. You with me? A neighbor is someone who loves their neighbor as themselves. They, they love other people just like they love themselves. Now, that means they love themselves, first of all, but they love their neighbor as themselves. And as we, as we walk through this passage, we see that Jonathan is doing just that. He loves David with all his heart. He's willing to give his all for David. As a matter of fact, what we see is he takes off the tunic, he takes off the sword, he takes off the bow. These are not just uh, his clothing for the day. These are his princely garments. These are the garments that proclaim him the heir to the throne. But Jonathan understands that God has chosen David to take over the throne. And so he takes off those vestments of who he was identified as, the heir to the throne, and he gives them to David. He says, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. God has declared you king. And because of that, I give you all my possessions that proclaim me the next king. And he gives it to David. He, he has no, no compulsion to be king. 
He simply wants to be in the will of the Almighty God. And because of that, Jonathan has no jealousy of David whatsoever. Saul, on the other hand, sees this relationship that's going on between David and Jonathan, and it's interrupting his relationship with Jonathan. 1 Samuel chapter 20, uh, verse 2, uh, we, we see Jonathan saying to David, you, you have to understand, uh, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without letting me know. Would he hide this from me? It isn't so. Well, the truth of the matter is, Saul had hid it from Jonathan. It was affecting his relationship in the family because he was jealous of David. He was afraid of David. He was uh, in a place where it was affecting his relationship with his own child. Jonathan had no such problems because he recognized that God's will is always best. If God wants David to be king, David should be king. It's not a big deal. But for Saul, it becomes a moment of contention. He wants to be king. He wants to be in control. And he wants to be in control of all of it. And now it's affected his family. Of course, the problem is that Saul hasn't allowed God to infiltrate his family. He has has not allowed his relationship with God to infiltrate what's happening at home because his relationship with God has become broken. And now it's affecting what's happening at home. That's what jealousy does begins to affect not just what's happening in your life, but it starts affecting what's happening in your home. And then people in your house become jealous of one another. And if you're not careful, then child will rear head against child or against parent. And parent against child. And the scary part is, that the Scripture makes it very clear that as we walk closer to the end, there will be more and more strife in the home. And we can see it, can't we? More and more struggles. More and more. How many times now do you hear that some child has killed their parent or some parent has killed their child? How could anyone even imagine doing that? And yet over and over again now in our world we hear it happening over and over again. And jealousy begins to invade not just our lives but the lives of those we love and those we love the most. In order to keep jealousy from overwhelming us, One of the best things we can do is build a healthy home. Build a home where we get together and we encourage one another, where we love each other, and where we seek God together. A home that's built not on who is the best or who is the greatest, but rather on celebrating each other and encouraging one another. A home where where we look at each other and we say, hey, you're a child of God. And you've got so much to offer. 
rather than building these, uh, these success stories where, well, y- you got all these gifts, you have to be successful. That's where our world is at, right? you got to make it. you got to get the best grade. you got to get the best everything. You keep achieving the highest you can achieve. Well, I think we should achieve the highest we could achieve, but only in light of God's promise and God's gifting of us. So as a parent, what we need to be doing is looking at our children and saying, how is this child gifted and how can I encourage this child's gift? Or as a grandparent even, looking at these young people and encouraging them. Young people, look at your parents and encourage them. Instead of looking at them as the enemy... Look at them as someone who loves you and begin to encourage them. Begin to understand who they are. Reach beyond these these jealous points in our lives. Begin to build homes that transform that. So uh, be a a person like in Proverbs. Uh, Children's children are crowned to the aged and parents are the pride of their children. Can you imagine that? If parents were a pride. Now that takes two things, doesn't it? That takes children recognizing who their parents are. But it takes parents who are living a life that would be worthy of being proud of or of which you, should be proud, you could be proud. It takes both and. We need to work... Uh, on our families. Build the family and it will help overcome jealousy in our lives. It's amazing how that works because we realize that we're important, we're blessed, and if we teach our children that they are children of God and live like children of God ourselves, you see, then there's no need for jealousy. But that wasn't Saul's only problem. You see, Saul had this problem at work. Uh, David had done a great thing, and because David had been, done a great thing, somebody had to be promoted, and the only person that could be promoted was David. And so he promotes David, and everybody's pleased. Uh, the, the soldiers are pleased, the officers are pleased, all of David's uh, cohorts, or, I mean, all of Saul's cohorts are pleased. Everybody is pleased. Except that puts Saul in a very precarious position. David is now moving up in in rank, and because he's moving up in rank, there's only one other place to go after you get so high. And so he's looking at this, and he's feeling threatened. Now what is he going to do? Here is David. He had to promote him, but here is David knocking at his door. He is next in line. And the jealousy begins to raise up in Saul's heart. You ever, you ever have someone in your, in your work get a promotion ahead of you? And you did most of the work? How's that feel? Or how about someone being recognized for doing something? And, and yeah, they may have done that, but... You did all this other stuff, and nobody recognizes you. So your spouse comes home, having gotten a promotion at work. 
And you have worked all hard, hard all day at the house trying to get things clean, and, and they don't even notice. It's not fair. It's hard, isn't it, when other people are promoted ahead of us, when other people who may not deserve it, and we know they don't deserve it, they get something and you don't. How do you deal with that jealousy welling up within you? Well, let me tell you, uh, the neat thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is you're always ready to celebrate. Did you notice that? As a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be always ready to celebrate. Now, most, a lot of Christians are not that way. A lot of Christians spend their lives uh, just kind of dragging along. But the good news is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to celebrate all the time. And it's really exciting to celebrate for other people. Rather than looking at what you didn't get, celebrate with them. Maybe they weren't worth it. But celebrate with them. Encourage them. Because if you begin to encourage them, they may become worth it. And if not, at least then you will not be sitting there having a pity party because you're jealous about what happened to them. It reminds me of the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. You remember that story? I like, the, I like to call it the story of the two sons. We focus on the prodigal. You remember he went off and spent his dad's inheritance and he came back on his knees asking his, his dad to forgive him. His dad takes him in and kills the fatted calf. They're going to do what? They're going to have a party because his son that was lost is now found. But there was another son. You remember the other son? The other son was out in the field and he heard that there was a party going on. And before he gets to the house, he discovers that his, his brother who had heard his father, had taken his father, half of his father's inheritance, had come home. And then he heard that his dad had the audacity to throw a party for this no good son of his. And so he begins to sulk. And the father goes out to the older son. The older son. Yeah, dad, you're throwing him a party. You never threw me a party. Here, I slaved all these years for you. I worked for you. I've done everything you asked. You never threw me a party. And the father looked at him and said, son, everything I have is yours. But the son that was lost is found. Won't you come celebrate with us? And the neat thing about the story is there's no answer. We don't know. Did the older brother decide he was going to hang on to his jealousy, hang on to his anger, hang on to his self-centeredness, or was he going to let go of all that and say, you know, Dad, you're right. My brother was lost. Now he's found. I'm going to celebrate. We really need to learn to celebrate more. Because God is going to equalize all those positions that get unduly promoted in this world. God's going to equalize it out. Don't, don't you worry about it. You're his child. He's going to take care of it. So you can just go ahead and celebrate with it because eventually God's going to work it all out anyway. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes tells us that God is going to make everything beautiful in its time. You just got to wait on God. God will take care of it. So you just celebrate today. Celebrate what you see. Encourage. Lift up. 
And all that jealousy begins to walk away because now you're just in a mood where you can celebrate what God is doing and recognize that someday God will work it all out. You don't have to worry about it. You're a child of the Almighty God. No matter how long it takes, when God's work works, it's always worth it. So celebrate the success of others, build family. And, and lastly, real quickly, uh, Saul was busy listening to the crowd. When he walked in, he heard those women singing, and boy, it just galled him. He, he was probably excited when he heard the first verse. Saul has slain his thousands. He felt pretty good about that. And David, his tens of thousands. And all of a sudden... Saul began to feel that ugliness inside him. How dare they? Don't they see all I've done for them? How can they celebrate David more than they celebrate me? And the problem is, he's listening to public opinion. Public opinion's an interesting thing, isn't it? We live in a world that, unfortunately, I'm afraid, lives by public opinion, don't they? All you have to do is watch the news. It's all public opinion polls. Well, this happened, and this is what the public says about it. And this happens, and this is what the public says about it. Followers of Jesus Christ, if you spend your life listening and following public opinion, you'll find yourself headed in the wrong place quickly. It happened in 1 Samuel. It happened long before Saul became king. Because you see, the people, the people decided they needed a king. You remember that? And so they said to God, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. That was the public opinion. Everybody had a king. We need to have a king. And so Samuel goes to God. God, I don't know what to do with these people. And God told him and said, listen to all the people are saying to you. It's not you they rejected. They've rejected me as their king. And the more we listen to public opinion, the more we'll find ourselves rejecting our God as our King. It's not about public opinion. It's not about what the world is saying. If we run with what the world is saying, we at some point will be in a bad place because we'll be outside of public opinion. You may remember uh, the Batman story. And the uh, there's that, what's that second Batman story? Um, the second movie, second Batman movie, I forget. The Dark Knight, thank you. I, yes, that's The Dark Knight. Thank you, Brian. I knew you'd know it. That's good. Uh, the Dark Knight. And in The Dark Knight, uh, Batman realizes that um, the, the world, the public opinion has changed. And he was the hero. And now he's become the villain. <laughs> and it's so true. The fact of the matter is, if you're riding high on public opinion today, tomorrow, you probably won't be riding so high. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, just watch, watch the presidential race, right? Uh, oh, the public likes this person. They like this person. They like per and next thing you know, they don't like this person. They don't like this person. <laughs> Wait a minute. Public opinion is fickle. 
And if you place your trust in what the public says, you're going to find yourself filled with jealousy over and over again. Rather, we need to stop and listen to the voice of God. We are children of the Almighty God. And when you start to feel jealous, begin to listen for God's voice again. You're my child. I love you. I died for you. You have the highest position ever offered in our universe. And that's the position of child of the Almighty God. What more would you need? Listen for the voice of God. Hear His love for you. And realize that you are so incredibly special. And because you're so special to God, He will take care of all your needs. Put your trust in Him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for calling us to be your children. Help us, Lord, today to let go of those places where, where we have felt slighted, where we feel we've been overlooked, where we see other relationships and are jealous for a relationship like that and yet not aware of the relationship you want with us. Lord Jesus, begin in our families. Teach us within the family to lift each other up and share in, in your calling upon our lives. And watch your handwork amongst our children, amongst our parents and grandparents. Lord, remind us that we're a part of your family, your, your children, and that you are watching over us. Lord, help us to celebrate with others, uh, believers and unbelievers alike, to encourage them, to help them, to show them that, that we want to celebrate their successes and to encourage who they are, that they might come to hear of Your love in our lives and see how even when we are overlooked by the world, we're not overlooked by You. Come, Lord Jesus. Help us to hear Your voice. Especially, Lord, when we feel like we're not getting what's fair or what's right. Remind us that You have shown us the greatest love there can be and that will never change. Thank You, Lord. We pray these things in Your name. Amen.